name is Alice. Welcome to Rewatch, a short series where we revisit the billion-dollar zombie movie franchise, Resident Evil. My name is Andrew, and I have watched every movie and played every game in the series. And my name is Eric, and I've only watched the movies and never played the games. As of our last episode, you said that the, the, the movies were not necessarily recommending the games. And based on the current trajectory of the movies, I am now inclined to agree with you on that point. <laughs> I mean, what is from happening? What you, from what you've told me of the games, uh, none of this is like, uh, we're going to talk about uh, Resident Evil Extinction today. Yeah. Which, spoilers, I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does not sound like it follows any of the format of the games that you've described to me so far. <laughs> you can... So At all. A little bit of the, how the sausage is made. Eric and I have a shared set of notes in front of us that we reference. And uh, if, uh, Eric, I would just have you scroll down to the, um, the nerding out section uh, just to <laughs> see how short it has actually become here. Yeah. It's so spoilers for later in the episode. Just four points of where gotcha. this overlaps with the actual game. All right. Well, that makes me feel a little better, I guess. <laughs> At least I'm not crazy. Yeah. I'll get into it. I, th- I think uh, spoilers, mild spoilers for me. I I actually really had a lot of fun with this movie, and it all came crashing back to me as it was unfolding. I was like, "Oh, this is the one." God, just like Alice, you had an Alice flash. Exactly. Yeah, the, you remembered the last movie and this movie. Yeah, the satellites deactivated me for a moment, and I came back online. And I'm like, "Oh, of course." Now remember, Vegas, baby, Vegas. <laughs> Let's uh, do a little bit of housekeeping up top here, uh, and then we'll get into this. Uh, We'll get into this one, which is, it's interesting. So uh, you can find this and all of our podcasts at 12and24.com. That's the numerals 12and24.com. It's also in the show notes, a bunch of links in the show notes. I highly recommend. There was the one link where Eric talked about the George Romero Resident Evil commercial. That was in the show notes, all sorts of stuff. I, I take the time to write them well, I think. I think you you put a lot of production value into this. I got to be honest. I I listened to the first episode uh, last week, and you had you had dropped in some audio. You had done some other stuff. I was really I was really impressed. I th- thank you. Yeah, it's I. Here's what it is. I as I'm doing the edit, I was like, this is the only time I'm going to listen to this podcast because, like, it, it, the the edit part of it is like I've listened to it two and a half to three times, it, you know, straight through. I'm like, I'm never going to hear this again, ever. So <laughs> let me just make sure it sounds good this one time. I'm never coming back to it. So I appreciate yeah. that. Uh, what are we doing? Oh, you can email us hello at twelve and twenty four dot com. Or hit us up on Twitter individually. I'm at Dark Driving. Eric is at Platypus Jones. We're not going to create like a dedicated email or Twitter account for this. It's like a short form thing. I love it. Yeah, we're halfway through. Yeah. Three out of six. Let's get, well, seven, yeah. Well, seven. Maybe at, seven. Yeah, yeah we but, haven't decided what we're going to do yet, but yeah. Yeah. 
if we get enough feedback, uh, we'll create like a listener mailbag bonus episode, something along those lines. Uh, you can feel free to chime in with your thoughts, do all that. Love to hear that. Uh, you can also join us on Discord, chat in real time. That's 12and24.com slash Discord. Uh, there is a dedicated Resident Evil channel. I think it's probably like, at this point, it's like a dedicated video game movies channel, which is also very fun to talk about. We were maybe shitting on the Uncharted movie. <laughs> maybe, I, I mean, the, the trailer came out. Yeah. Um, it looks like a very good action movie. It does. Um, my only problem with it was just around sort of the the age of the cast, and and maybe they're maybe they're going back a little bit. So I'm fine with that. If Tom Holland grows into Nathan Fillion, like we're golden. <laughs> if he can become Fillion, yeah, we're great. It'll be great. I don't know what the hell Mark Wahlberg's doing in there, but he probably put up the money to get it made. So I can't really complain. I think the original idea was that he was going to be Nate. And then the movie has been in development hell for so many years that he became the mentor character. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that sounds right. Yeah. So I think that's how it went. I have to say, at least even in the trailer, I saw more of the game's DNA. Now, I, I'm obviously we open every show with I don't play the Resident Evil games, but based mm -hmm. on what you've described, doesn't sound too on point. This, I at least saw some like puzzle solving and some like climbing and platforming and that kind of stuff. So it, it did look like a, a fairly close adaptation. Yeah. I mean, realistically, you just want to make an Indiana Jones movie because that's what the games ripped off in the first place. So if you made a competent Indiana Jones knockoff, you've done it. Congratulations. <laughs> They, they certainly picked an actor with the physicality in, in Tom Holland in terms of being able to believably be nimble and do some pretty incredible, uh, fantastical things, I should say. So, Oh, for sure. I mean, if you've ever seen him lip sync Rihanna's umbrella, you know that <laughs> that guy can move. <laughs> he certainly can. Not afraid to hurt himself with the, the, the front flip at the end either. Yeah. yeah. A little bit of Fantastic pain. performance. <laughs> Iconic. Iconic. I, I stand. <laughs> We're still in the housekeeping, finally. <laughs> if, you, if you want to support us with just a moment of your time, uh, share the show with your friends, your enemies, living undead. Does not matter to us. Rate and review the show on iTunes. We don't have the... The metrics are always staggered. Um, but if I had to take a guess out of the gate, I would say this show is actually doing pretty well. I chalk that up to Eric, mostly. <laughs> Well, thank you. Going to bat for it all the time. I mean, I'm not I'm not great, and I don't intend to be any better at social media, so I'll put some stuff out there, but, you know, Eric is the one with the... Well, I, I appreciate any and all of you who are listening, and uh, I think someone gave us a five-star review on, on uh, Apple Podcasts, so thank you for that. It's fantastic. Oh, killer. Okay. Yeah. Let's get into this. Finally. Finally, yeah. we're ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Resident Evil Extinction. Take a sample of her blood, then get rid of that. These clones are not working. The original Alice is the key. Find her, then we can return to the surface. It really is the end of the world. 
What happened to it? Because you must have taken it back. We lost half of the convoy. Pretty soon there'll be more of us dead than alive. Okay, spread out. Look for anything of use. Gas, food, ammo. You know the drill. Extinction. <laughs> Continuing the trend of a pretty pretty generic name. You could interchange a lot of these and still be fine, really. They are impossible to sort out. Yeah. Let's talk cast and crew for this one for a minute. So it bears repeating, Paul W.S. Anderson, the writer of all these. I'm still going to bring it up. Uh, but in this one, again, second movie in a row, not the director. Yep. Uh, you're familiar with this director, uh, so much so that I, I don't feel comfortable saying his name after I heard you say it. What is it? Russell? <laughs> Mulcahy. Mulcahy. Okay. I would have not gone that direction. I don't know what I would have done. Um, I looked this dude up, and he has the funniest IMDb known for section. First of all, usually the known for section has four things. This dude's only has three, despite yeah. him doing a lot of stuff. But mm -hmm. this movie, Resident Evil Extinction, is bookended by... <laughs> the 1986 film Highlander and the MTV television adaptation of Teen Wolf. And that's it. Yeah. It's absolutely, it's bonkers to me. It's bonkers. Yeah. Russell Mulcahy's um, <laughs> probably more known for his music videos from the eighties, but uh, I think Highlander's probably a, a classic, if not a cult classic. Oh yeah, of course. I, I'm certainly a fan. Um, I did not watch the, the Teen Wolf show, um, but I know it had a lot of fans. So yeah, like his work. He's, he's still a very active, uh, director, um, but mostly for television now or streaming even. I think his most recent work was on 13 Reasons Why, the Netflix show. Okay. So that's pretty, that's pretty contemporary. That's within the past two years, I'd say. So yeah, still at yeah. it, still at it. Good for him. Yeah. Co-starring alongside Mila are some of the alums from the previous film. So we have Odette mm -hmm. Fair, Ian Glenn, and Mike Epps. Yep. I'm going to note the lack of Sienna Gullery here. Okay. Yep. Noted. We have some new faces to the franchise, though. Ali Larder, Ashanti. Yes, Ashanti. Mm -hmm. Christopher Egan, Spencer Locke, and Jason O'Mara as Albert Wesker. This is the first and the last time we'll see Jason O'Mara in these films. Apparently someone else <laughs> takes over as Wesker going forward. So, Okay, I couldn't remember. Like, He didn't look super familiar, but the yeah. Wesker character is kind of highly stylized. So I was like, maybe I just don't remember what he looks like. So yeah, anyway. I can't, I can't believe he's like a one and done. He, he did yeah. this one. And what's he in this for? On screen for three to five minutes, tops. Tops. And yep. then he's like, nah, I'm out. <laughs> I don't know. Yep. I don't know. Budget and box office for this one. We are continuing to see the trend here. Although this mm -hmm. one bucks it a little bit, but in an interesting way. So $45 million budget, exactly the same as the previous film. I feel like more was on screen in this one. Uh, clearly on location, um, clearly had a nice vibe and a lot of production value in this one. So that's cool. Yeah. 
Yeah. Opening weekend, we're looking at $23.6 million, which again is roughly the same as the last film, but it was number one at the box office that weekend, which is great for this franchise. $50.6 million domestic gross, which is actually down from $51.2 million. And here's what Eric said ringing true in our very first episode, 147 I believe it was point two, oh, 147.7 million worldwide, up from 129.3. So the world loves these movies. That's not much of a wobble, though, right? Like, those numbers are pretty close. Yeah. I think all the Screen Gems is looking at is saying, hey, we spent exactly the same and made more. And, <laughs> and they're like, Yeah, Great. I mean, you, you can't help but just be excited if you're a studio and and you're getting at least the same if not a little bit more return on your investment. Yeah. I have to imagine, you know, 45 million dollar budget is nothing to sneeze at. I but you know, nowadays that's like I I don't know if there are many movies made in that budget for real to like today. Like you're either a blockbuster film or you're an indie and this whole middle 50 million dollar kind of budget area has yeah it's either become television or it's like on Netflix and it doesn't quite have that same quality to it I guess no it's true and like better you know writers than I have lamented sort of the loss of that middle budget movie I mean 45 million dollar budget movies used to be like you know uh, adult dramas and you know uh, genre comedies and things like that and yeah things have moved to like you said like you're either a tent pole or you're a scrappy little movie that could we just we don't seem to be putting out anything in between anymore yeah you are either owned by disney or i, I don't know you're I, I don't know actually what is <laughs> yeah i mean to be honest with you i'm not even sure what the path for like an independent film is anymore so yeah I mean, I think most people uh, still aspire to the uh, the theater, right? But I don't think that going straight to streaming is necessarily a bad thing. Although many uh, high many high profile directors would argue you to death that that <laughs> that is indeed the case. I'm looking at you, Chris Nolan. <laughs> we we've. We've hit a weird period, right? I mean, we've had this argument for years and then we all of a sudden couldn't go into movie theaters. So the argument got a lot more specific. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it is interesting. I don't, I don't, I, I think any filmmaker you talk to would much prefer to hit a theater, but I'm not sure the sting of going direct to streaming or I don't even know if we have the secondary market for physical media anymore, but like those two things, which used to be like a, a label of poor quality. I don't, I don't think those are true anymore. I don't think that is true anymore. Our final point before Eric takes over, uh, let's talk about the critical and audience reception again. I want to reiterate. I don't personally use this as a metric of whether I'm going to go see a film or not. It's a useful tool to gauge, I guess, maybe how it compares to what it made worldwide or domestically or whatever versus what people actually thought of it. As of this recording, this is very interesting to me. 
we have an upswing in the critics. Not much, but an upswing nonetheless. 25% from critics, and that's up from 19 uh, for our previous film, which is okay. Got it. That's exactly where I expected this movie to be. Audience, slight down, uh, slight uh, downward movement, 58% score from the audience, down from 60%. Eric, I like to ask always, I think we know, but uh, are you closer to the critics or the audiences on this one? I'm definitely closer to the audience on this one. And and I'll, I'll be honest, I'm not surprised that the critical score went up a little bit. I mean, it it's... Um, the writing is just a lot more coherent. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we're not following like several different groups through a city. It's it's all sort of a straight line. Um, everyone's motivations and goals are fairly clear. So yeah, I, I, I am I'm a little surprised the audience score went down, but like two points on a movie like this probably. <laughs> isn't you know statistically important yeah that's i i would i would agree with you on that one this did this movie did an amazing thing that you know i did not come to expect from this series which was it it it, it showed it didn't tell which was <laughs> what, what a concept oh my gosh yeah. so we will get to that in a moment i'd say i'm very i'm i'm aligned with the audience on this one and again once again probably uh Maybe a little bit over them. Not much, but for all the reasons you said, I, I really, I thought this one was pretty tight overall. I liked it. Yeah, I mean, it it has some sort of weird, not weird, it, it has some difficult or overcomplicated stuff in the same way that I complained about the last time, right? Where like the corporation's doing shit and you're like, I don't know what's going on. But it's it's like straightforward ahead enough that like, they're not doing stuff and then you're cutting away, right? Like yeah. they do something, you cut back to the action and you see the result of what they did. So like, I think it's just, just more coherent that way. Yeah. I, I gotta say the umbrella company corporation, they are so bad at everything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how they got to be where they are when they're this bad at everything, but I guess, <laughs> I guess we will. We'll talk about that now. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I have a couple of notes during plot points where I'm like, what is happening? Perfect. I think I'm, I, I have a feeling that you will, that you and I have some overlapping ideas about some, what almost seem to be certain homages that this movie pays. So, uh, I, you know, whenever you're ready to get into it, you, you take us away and, and we'll, uh, we'll knock it out. Sure. Uh, so this is Resident Evil Extinction. Um, and we're into the third movie. And Alice wakes up naked in the shower again. <laughs> she has a scar. Seems like she has amnesia again. Um, she's in the mansion, but she opens a door and now she's in the laser tunnel. So this is different, right? Mm. Uh, it grids up. Like we're we're sort of flashing back to the first movie, but she escapes, and um, she escapes into the hospital, presumably you know the one at the end of that first movie, beginning of the second one. Um, 
she discovers booby traps. So, like, we're slowly putting together what's going on, right? This is, this is some sort of maze. Um, and then a robot pops up and kills her. <laughs> Alice is dead. Uh-oh. Uh, Ian, is it Glenn? Jorah Mormont comes in. <laughs> if we could call him that for the rest. I think that would be <laughs> yeah. so much better. <laughs> Uh, they take some blood. He says some science gobbledygook. And then the science guys, uh, take her out and throw her onto a pile of Alice corpses in the desert. Mm -hmm. It's like, this is just a fantastic opening, right? Yeah. Has one of my favorite tropes, which is the innocuous location that hides an underground base. Oh, yes. And like. Like you sit down or you pick something up and the whole floor drops out. One of my favorites is the drive-in theater in the movie Spies Like Us. Yes. Um, <laughs> Great one. Great one. Uh, we zoom out and we are just in a wasteland. Uh, this whole facility is literally like a cot or a cot, a hut surrounded with a fence and like hundreds of zombies. Yeah. Right. We get our voiceover. The Umbrella Corporation thought they'd contained the infection. Well, they were wrong. Raccoon City was just the beginning. Within weeks, the T-virus had consumed the United States. Within months, the world. The virus didn't just wipe out human life. Lakes and rivers dried up, forests became deserts, and whole continents were reduced to nothing more than barren wastelands. Slowly but surely, the Earth began to wither and die. I did remember that correctly. We just shift from uh, apocalypse right to the world has already ended. <laughs> right. We, we, we <laughs> they all get out of Raccoon City, yada, yada, yada. The world has ended. The world has ended. Yep. Uh, we cut to Alice. She is uh, driving her motorcycle. She's somewhere around Salt Lake City. Mm. I feel like geography starts to become important with this movie. That's why I'm calling it out. Yeah. Uh, she hears a radio distress call, answers it. Turns out it's a fake trap. The Reavers get her. The, she kills one of them by kicking him in the face, which I thought was pretty dope. So, yeah. <laughs> Andrew apparently has problems with it. When she kicks, she kicks to kill. You know, that's the... Uh, this actually resolves a problem that I've had with the series so far where she has subdued many zombies simply by kicking them in the head, which wouldn't, you know, in, in traditional lore, we have not seen that. We, we, don't, we know that to not be true. Head trauma, of course, but I don't know if a foot would produce the kind of result required. And this has shown us that, yes, her feet are deadly weapons. So that's, I just wanted to bring that up. So now, okay. now it's been, that problem's been solved for me. I didn't want to bring it up on previous episodes. It's fine now. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, they throw her in a pit uh, with monsters. The monsters are zombie dogs. Um, they love them. So we, we get them in this movie, right? Um, she kills one just by doing a backflip. I literally rewound this sequence twice. I cannot figure <laughs> out what we're supposed to take away from it. She just flips. Yeah. Uh, she punches one dog in the face. Um, and then because this is a ruined building, there's a lot of cable. 
Um, she ties them up. It causes the building to crash, and the dogs get out and eat the bad guys. Yes. So um, we're kind of establishing the world, right? It's a nice little bit of table setting where it's like, oh, it's everything is terrible. You know, it's more like the road than anything else. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we get a quick gearing up montage. She's got like six guns. Um, she's switched up her outfit. She's now wearing sort of desert tactical, but has like thigh high stockings on yeah maybe chaps it's very confusing it's a good look but it it looks badass yeah, yeah. i was just just gonna say it looks cool as hell yeah uh we cut to a zombie in the road and then a hummer runs it over and other tricked out car hits it um i feel like we got a lot more hummers in movies in the early 2000s <laughs> there was so a real thing product placement yes for this vehicle specifically yes i don't know if like gm was doing that or if just directors thought they looked cool i don't know um we meet claire who's new uh claire redfield uh and we meet carlos and lj who we already knew yes the team is back sort of um and we meet some other red shirts some of them have names some of them are just archetypes. Mm, so mm-hmm. we, you know, we have our sort of our two groups in the desert now. Can we can we talk really quickly about Absolutely. There's a needle drop moment here. In Agata Davida. So Or is there another one? No, that's the one. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so that it really struck me because up until this point, so these movies I think we said it in there was like new metal in the first one and then probably something in the second one that it was a hundred percent forgettable, but this is like the first song that they put in these mo- in this movie that yeah. like a lot of people would instantly recognize. So I yeah. just wanted to ask, throw it, throw it to you. How, how is this for like the first needle drop? And what is, what is Inagata DeVita shorthand for? I'm always trying to think like, why did they use this song? They could have chosen uh, any number. Why this one? Yeah, like I think it's kind of badass. It's a little, it's a little bit ominous, right? Yeah. If you want to get real deep on it, Inagata Davida is is in the Garden of Eve of uh, Evil Eden. Eden. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, okay. Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, in the Garden of Eden, right? So there's there's if you go that deep, there's some ironic stuff, right? Like these are arguably some of the last humans left, and it is certainly not a plush Garden of Eden. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like I think I think there could arguably be you know a couple of of levels on that one, but it's a good point, right? Like there haven't really been needle drops per se. Um, and while we don't necessarily get uh, the drop in the movie, later we'll get another, we'll get a, uh, what is it, White Rabbit, we'll get a cover of that. Yeah. So like, so like they are, you know, dropping in some other stuff. The the soundtrack and, and score in general have kind of settled down from all the like <laughs> new metal <laughs> You know, yeah. it's the mid two thousands. We're over that. So we got some orchestrations in this one. Some really nice. I mean, it's not like a remarkable score, but it, it um, 
there are cert- it certainly fits well and reinforces what we're seeing. And I think that's that's the most important. It's not just like distorted guitars the entire time. So For sure. Yeah. Uh then we go to our old standby, a 3D map. <laughs> Which appears to be like maybe of another hive or a similar place. And there's a board meeting going on. Uh, Wesker is there and all of the various locations around the world are reporting in by hologram. Yeah. You know, basically the world is fucked. Uh, Dr. Isaacs, that's his name. Jorah Mormont shows up. Dr. Isaacs, that's it. And points out that the zombies don't actually need to eat. Uh, they just they just do it as sort of instinct. Yeah. So his argument is he can't cure them. But with Alice's blood, maybe we can tame them. What news of Project Alice? Using antibodies from her blood, I will develop a serum that will not just combat the effects of the T-virus, but potentially reverse it giving back these creatures a measure of their intelligence, their memories, thus curbing their hunger for flesh. And you're confident you can domesticate them? They're animals, essentially. We can train them. If we can take away their baser instincts, they'll never be human, but would provide the basis for a docile workforce. Which is the most cynically capitalist thing I've ever heard in my life. I can't believe that that's... Well, first of all, I completely forgot that, right? Mm-hmm. Let's be 100% clear. The direction that they've taken this, in it resembles the games not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Umbrella in the games is just interested in government contracts. <laughs> not some weird, docile untapped <laughs> workforce. I, I mean, I read it a little bit as they're like, they're pivoting, right? Like, <laughs> oh, we destroyed the world. <laughs> right. So what do we do now, right? Like, how do we, how do we turn this to our benefit? Sure. That checks, that tracks. Okay. Yeah. I'll allow it. We go back to, to Alice, who is looking for her, looking for gas for her motorcycle. Uh, in a gas station, she discovers a uh, a citizen who has uh, taken their own life, but has a, a notebook a, about a place. We're not entirely clear what that is yet. As we cut back to Claire's camp, uh, Claire's camp is settling in for the night. They find a, a motel. They, you know, do their clearing of the motel. LJ gets attacked and is bitten, but classic zombie uh, movie. He doesn't tell anybody, keeps it a secret from everyone. Here we meet Ashanti, who has never looked better. It's true. um, As Betty the medic. Um, That is fantastic. Uh, Then we go back to, so uh, Umbrella is in this a lot more. Mm. Um, there is a, like a very substantial subplot about umbrella instead of them just kind of plotting the plot, right? Like in the past it would be like release nemesis and then we wouldn't see them for 20 minutes, but like (laughs) there is a, a full umbrella plot here. Uh, Dr. Isaacs injects a zombie 
and seems to make some headway. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, I would assume, an homage to Day of the Dead, where uh, Bud the zombie learns to use a Walkman and like kind of remembers how to shave. It's a very similar sequence. Yeah. Uh, I love that this movie dates itself by having a flip phone, a flip phone. and like a full-size digital camera, but... <laughs> we didn't know. We didn't know. I loved how earnest the the one scientist, like the lab assistant, he was like, "Oh my god, he remembers how to use it!" Like, yeah, yeah. I I, I thought that was good. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, the zombie still has some rage issues uh, and eats some scientists. Yeah, the stars are the hardest one to figure out. Yeah, you know, the, yeah. The, it's that that's the tricky one. <laughs> Uh, we go back to Claire's camp and we get a little sort of detail. Um, Claire's team is running out of food, says the guy who knows what's in unlabeled cans. Uh, they're also running out of gas, says the cowboy. Yeah. So like they're in dire straits. Um, meanwhile, Carlos is setting the perimeter. It's a bunch of cameras and motion detectors, right? So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, we switch to our third plot, and that's just Alice. She's also made camp, but she's listening to Claire's convoy, who is, you know, constantly broadcasting, looking for survivors. Mm-hmm. We go back to Dr. Isaacs. Yeah. And you can really tell this movie's a Sony release because all of the tech is branded. Uh, we zoom in on a Vio laptop. You gotta. Uh, you gotta. Do they even still make Vio? I feel like that was a line that isn't even around anymore. I'm pretty sure that that, that, that ship has sailed. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, our Dr. Isaacs activates another Alice clone. And apparently the our Alice, the real Alice, can feel when the clones are activated. Uh, she flashbacks, flashes back a little bit. Um, is kind of having a bad dream and in the the midst of her bad dream, she Luke Skywalker some rocks like she's on Dagobah, like all of <laughs> all of the rocks around her levitate. Um, and she wakes up from her bad dream. Uh, apparently, the Red Queen has been restored, reactivated, whatever for some reason. Uh, and she can sense Alice like doing her Jedi shit. Oh, right. so I wanted to say in the credits, it's actually this is the White Queen. So, mm. okay, th- there's that. I don't understand okay. why they're all creepy children, but um, sure, that's I just yeah I just remembered that. Yes, it's it's her new version. Yeah, she's <laughs> an upgrade. V two. <laughs> uh, so we go back to the camp and some red shirt is awakened by something. Maybe it's a zombie bird. It is a zombie bird. <laughs> we know it's a zombie bird because they have creepy eyes. Yeah, look at their eyes. What's wrong with their eyes? This is this pretty dope set piece. Like, they get surrounded. You know, the birds attack. Um, they're like, let's get out of here. But, like, the ambulance won't run. Uh, they have a, a school bus that they transport most of the survivors in that crashes. So like we've got a nice little setup here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there's some like, 
This is what my note says, and I think you know what I mean. There's some good bird attack work, right? Like, <laughs> okay, sure. Like, like one assumes, aside from the CGI stuff, that like they people were just holding fake birds and pretending they were on an, under attack, right? Like that's yeah, that's the cheapest way to make that effect. And I thought they sold it really well, right? Yeah, I I would I'd be inclined to agree. You know, I. It's probably one of those things, I didn't catch it in the production notes, but maybe it was one of those situations where like we have six real crows and then the rest are all digital and they made really good use of like the six real ones, you know? Yeah, maybe. I don't maybe. know. I don't know. Um, it's a good, decent sequence. However, like it takes way too long for these survivors to break out their fucking flamethrower, which has been attached to a vehicle. Yeah. It's right on the top. I'm like, okay. Um, through this, uh, Betty sacrifices herself. Oh no. Um, so long Ashanti, you were in this movie for five minutes. Yeah. And then Alice shows up and like, does some like Jedi force field stuff. Like, saves Carlos and sets everything on fire, especially the birds, um, basically saves the day and collapses. Yeah. That was quite a, quite a visual that happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really beautifully shot. And I mean, there's not a lot I can say that would, would do it justice, but yeah, it was definitely in the trailer. Like that was a selling point, right? It's like a column of flaming birds. <laughs> Sold. Let's go. The relationship between Carlos and Alice is very casual. Um, mm -hmm. There was a period in this movie where I wasn't sure if they remembered each other. <laughs> um, but we do learn that they, they had been together from some time. Uh, the last time they were together was in Detroit. So it would appear everyone is making their way west. We also meet uh, Kmart. Because, sure... That's a character name. Uh, boy, do I hate that character name. We. That's where they found her. That's where they found her, Eric. Yeah, it's it's dumb. Time for a change. Sorry, Paul W.S. Anderson. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. I wanted to say Paul Thomas. My, my body kept saying Paul Thomas. Right. You're like, not him. Not that one. Yeah. I'm like, I know that's not right. Uh, Alice reveals that she knows Umbrella can watch her like through the Project Alice program that we've seen. Mm -hmm. um, she also knows where all the satellites are. I'm not really sure how that works. <laughs> she knows. But like literally knows like when they are passing overhead. Finally, Eric, a payoff to the closing scene of the first movie where we go up and get the view of the satellite. It took two movies to pay it off, but here we are. Sure. <laughs> You're taking a long walk to call that a payoff, but I, I'll it. give it to you. you I'll give it, it to you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so she explains what's what's in this notebook that she found is uh, notes and uh, data suggesting that Alaska, somewhere in Alaska, is still a safe like human refuge. Yeah. And uh, she presents this to the team, and the team decides, "Yep, they're all going to go to Alaska." Uh, however, they are like so low on supplies that they have to go to a major city to stock up, right? The, the outskirts are all picked over. So they have to go to Vegas. 
despite the fact that Alice knows where the satellites are, they still find her. Dr. Isaacs like orders a, he creates a fake capture order for Alice by like synthesizing people's other people's voices. And this is, this is where I want to talk about umbrella for a second, right? Here it is. Let's go. What the fuck is going on at the umbrella corporation? (laughs) The world has ended and like, there still seems to be some sort of corporate structure. Yeah. You got to get approval from the chairman. They're still having board meetings. There's still like corporate backstabbing. Like what the fuck? I love everything about it. You know, I, I, it actually tickles me that to think like that they still get together and report in and that for the, they have a zoom meeting for, yeah, for the hologram to work. It's like the holograms are sitting in physical chairs in the location. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Which means that they have coordinated across the world rooms with chairs in identical spots. I Mm -hmm. love it. I love it. I need it. But like the fact that there's still like corporate governance going on during the apocalypse, right? Like he doesn't feel like he can take action on his project. I mean, let's just break it down to what it is, right? His job is to research the zombies so that they can train them. But for some reason, he has to go outside of the executive structure to capture the person he's already said might be the key to this. Yeah. We need a 100%. 62 is too much of a margin of error. For a, let's not forget, if it's a question of resources as well, which, uh, okay, I would hear that argument. This guy just let two lab assistants die just uh-huh. and just watched it happen. Good help is probably hard to find. I mean, and one would assume. And he's just like, well, super zombie got him. What can mm. I do? What can I mm. do? I don't know. I get it. I'm right there with you. That, that, that's, the, that's the most disbelief you have to suspend is that this yeah. is a, <laughs> there's still it, a pecking order <laughs> at right. Umbrella. Like, like he can't get a requisition approved to capture somebody during the apocalypse. Uh, so we get to Vegas. Uh, it is, you know, sanded over. Uh, the new cliche in movies seems to be to show the Statue of Liberty and then reveal that it's the one in Vegas. I don't know why that's a thing, but I've seen it in a bunch of movies. Uh, they determine that like Vegas is probably empty and that the birds were somehow involved, which I don't really grasp that logic, but okay. Yeah. Uh, someone explains that apparently there are gas pumps at valet stands, which that's not a thing, but... (laughs) Okay. Well, it was, see, that was Mike Epps who dropped, wait for it. I dropped two G's back in the day here. You lost $2,000. $2,000. Two whole thousand dollars <laughs> in Vegas, Eric. And like everybody acts like that's a lot of money. It's hysterical. So he's talking to, he's, Epps is in the car with the, uh, who I, a person I could just, des- I could describe best as a McConaughey type. <laughs> like that's what, that was what was on the casting call for this guy. He's like, 
Oh, I just call him Cowboy. Yeah, just cowboy, cowboy. But like, if you look at him, yeah. you're like, oh, he's. They wanted. They were going for something, and they couldn't get Matthew McConaughey. Clearly, and that guy was like, you, you lost two thousand dollars in Vegas. And like, at, like he's impressed. It's the apocalypse. Just lie. Like, make up a big amount. Yeah. Who's who's keeping track? Uh, so we set up our set piece here. Um, you know, they stop the cars. They're in a line. Uh, we send the cowboy up on the Eiffel Tower as our sniper. Yeah. There's a random shipping container. So we we open that. And it is a literal clown car full of zombies. <laughs> it's so many zombies. Like all of these zombies just keep coming out like a fire hose. Mm. Um, but it's, it's a cool sequence. You know, we, we lose a bunch of more red shirts, but Alice whips out like her double machetes and is doing crazy Kung Fu fight and, uh, continues. Kmart hides in one of the trucks. Uh, but Oh no, she's in there with LJ who is, you know, still turning into a zombie. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a pretty good shotgun through the head kill here though. Oh yeah. At some point in this fight, somebody kicks a zombie in the balls and it works. That is confusing, (laughs) but sure. Oh, I love it. Thanks for pointing it out. Yeah. Uh, we discover that like Dr. Isaacs can see through the eyes of all of these zombies. Right. So he's just kind of scoping the whole thing out. So Isaacs, uh, we learn as part of project Alice can just turn Alice off. Just throw a switch. Right. Rest mode. Put her in the rest mode. So at one point in this fight, she just stands still. Uh, meanwhile, the rest of the team is still fighting. Uh, Claire uses a technique that I love in movies where she shouts hey at someone to get them to look up and then shoots them. Not not sure why that works with a zombie. <laughs> hey. Uh, yeah, but but it does. Claire, like screams after one of the guys gets eaten and that seems to snap Alice out of it. Like I was sort of confused. Yeah. She's fighting the, the programming I think is what they, is what they okay. said. I, yeah. I, I don't, yeah, I don't really, that, that was the, that was certainly the incident. Maybe it was when the cowboy fell. Like maybe. Yeah. Well, somebody died. Yeah. What you said is true. And she, Claire's like, no. And that yeah. Jars Alice. Or starts to, at least. Yeah. Uh, LJ finally turns, and Carlos has to save Kmart from him. But unfortunately, Carlos gets bitten. Um, Eric, we got to talk about this. Should we pour a little out for Carlos? Uh, I only have water. Here's what I... Well, <laughs> yeah, I only have raspberry lime seltzer, so... Mm-hmm. Not, not, you know. Uh, I want to talk about... And you, I'm sure you could speak to this. How long it takes someone to become a zombie? Because uh, I'm just I'm going off the rules that the that the the movie set up in the first one. I'm going yep. with Michelle Rodriguez on this one, who didn't last yep. 90 minutes. Mike Epps had a full night's sleep, and mm-hmm. I, I I don't get it. What 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 is going on here? So it is a <laughs> it is an understanding among fans of zombie films that the time it takes to turn 
depends on how integral the character is to the plot. <laughs> Damn. It's just the way it is. Yeah. Um, I, I have seen, and I'm, I'm trying to think if like any movie really follows their rules uh, super closely. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Mm. But like I have seen movies where, you know, someone turns into a zombie almost immediately and someone else in the cast turns into a zombie like three hours later. Yeah. So like, I don't know that any movie has gotten it right. Yeah. This one seemed like an egregiously long amount of time for him to have been seemingly fine. It's crazy. He, uh, as far as I know, like he hooked up with a Shanti. I don't even know how that works. (laughs) Cause like right. he had a big hole in his chest. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like he had a whole life in between the time he got bitten and, and finally turns. Yeah. That's just unfortunate. That's just yeah. unfortunate. Uh, I expected better from you, Mike Epps. God damn it. <laughs> it's just a, it's just a weird thing you get used to when you watch zombie movies. I know you're very big on the rules, but I, <laughs> I, again, I'm just basing it off of what we've seen. So now mm-hmm. I now I know, now I have learned going forward, it could be could be 2 minutes, it could be 2 weeks. No one knows with the T virus. <laughs> no one knows. We see it I'll, I'll let you get to that point. We we see it on like on a dime happen yep. essentially soon. Mm-hmm. All right. I'll, I'll let you go. I I uh, I yield my remaining time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, in space, <laughs> sorry, the, uh, we go deep into the heart of an umbrella satellite where a microchip burns out. Like, did Alice do that? Seems like it. I don't. It is. It is okay. She can telekinesis upstream into space. Yeah, upstream through the. Signal. Oh, your argument is she's connected to the satellite through some sort of psychic Wi-Fi. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that is the Eric. If she's not, then I don't know what to think about what's happening here. <laughs> I right. could not tell you what is the extent of her power. It, it, she, I don't know. I I have no idea. But that is the only thing I was able to explain in my brain. She's receiving some signal that her brain is able to process and go back up and and mess it up. <laughs> uh, so Chip burns out. Alice comes out of her coma. She's back. She kicks some ass. Um, Umbrella finally restores the connection, but like in a not a twist, but fun, like uh storytelling device she's already in the room with them like when the cameras come back on they see her looking at them isaacs gets bitten but manages to escape on a helicopter like that's the end of of that set piece Mm. uh we visit isaacs who's being annoyed by some sort of corporate underling um he's administering the antivirus i guess so what that looked like to me is blue is bad and green is good. But this was blue and green. Like the double helix was bu- it was like one was green and one was blue. So he was doing the virus and the antivirus? 
maybe he's doing maybe he's doing what the doctor did with his daughter, right? Oh, like, okay. Well, that checks. Like yeah, trying okay. To that double checks. up. Yeah. He also says something about increasing the strength of the zombie increases the infection or something, right? Like it's like it's not even logical science <laughs> gobbledygook. Yeah. The super zombies have super infection. Yeah. Uh, but what we discover is this guy irritates him so much that he kills him with his tentacles because <sighs> now he has tentacles. Well, this is this is the thing that we saw, right? So Mike Epps takes two days to turn. Uh, Jorah gets shot in the chest, dies, and stands up. And now he is something else. So my argument with that is that I think Jorah's been juicing all along. Oh. But okay. like, they never make that clear, right? Like, it just kind of felt that way, that like, he would be the kind of guy that would test on himself. But I don't know. It's certainly not in the text. Maybe, maybe we'll... We'll get this thrilling conclusion by the end. We have a couple more movies to go. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, so since Isaacs took the helicopter, they they decide they want a helicopter to go to Alaska. Okay. Alice can feel where the base is? Yeah. Oh, no. They, they, uh, they use the pewter that they were controlling mm. her with to find where the, the chopper went. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, so they go check that out, and as we saw in the cold open, the place is surrounded by zombies. Uh, so they need to make a hole to get in. There's been a running, I don't want to call it a gag, there's just been a running bit throughout the movie about the lack of cigarettes left in the world. Mm -hmm. um, Carlos says goodbye, he's going to drive their gas truck up to the fence, and when he crashes it, the truck doesn't explode, which... It's a shitty plan. Trucks don't just explode when you crash them. That would be a bad truck design. But the, the gag finally pays off when he finds like the last remaining joint in the world. And yeah. he lights that and, and blows up the gas truck. So that was a nice little send off. Yeah. he. <laughs> That's the way I would want to go if I was going to go. I mean, if you got to go in an apocalypse, like sacrificing yourself for your friends and smoking a J. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, I mean, noble. Absolutely. He, I think he flipped the truck too early. I don't know. Did, yeah. I, I feel like he probably could have just ran it right in. And then, I don't know. Just felt, it felt wrong. But good on him. He, he helped. Yeah. He helped. It, it worked. Yeah. Uh, the team grabs the helicopter and they take off. But Alice is going to stay. She finds the pile of other Alice's. <laughs> and she's pissed off. <laughs> right. There are 86 other Alice down here. And right. I am they are all perfectly preserved somehow. <laughs> uh, so she goes into the lab and clearly it's just gone to chaos since the last time we saw it. Um, here's where like I here's I, I did have a note about this. Like there's a little info dump here, and Isaacs explains he's been juicing on Alice blood. So what happened here? Dr. Isaacs returned in an infected state. He was bitten by a creature that had been treated with a newly developed serum. A serum derived from your blood. The resulting infection has caused massive mutation. My blood? Your blood has bonded with the T-virus. Dr. Isaacs correctly deduced that it could be used to destroy the biohazard for good. 
My blood is the cure for all this. Correct. Alice's blood is pure and is cure for the is a cure for the T virus, but like he got a massive mutation because he was doing some other shit, right? Yeah, and he also the blood that he was using was like from clones of Alice, yeah. so they weren't. That's why they also weren't quite as good as she was, or something like that. Something, something, sure. something. <laughs> you know, it's when you make a copy of a videotape. It's it's. That that idea. Yeah, it's multiplicity. Is is essentially sure. yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hi, Steve. <laughs> well done. Good pull. Alice finds one of her clones, uh, which we should mention just float in a big bubble for no reason. Yeah. What's that? There's about? no like containment. There's not like a tank that we put clones in. Yeah. Uh just a big bubble. Uh, so Dr. Isaacs shows up and at this point we haven't really seen him, but we know he's a monster, right? And he bumps Alice into her clone, which hatches and Alice holds her clone in her arms while it dies and sad, I guess. Also the doc is like a big goo monster now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So she chases him, uh, through a door and she's back in the mansion mm, test area that we saw at the beginning of the movie. Uh, she cuts Isaac's real good, but now he can self heal. Uh, so that's a problem. This is like a real bad boss fight now. <laughs> it's a Wolverine. You're fighting Wolverine. Essentially. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, she uses the force and kind of kicks him mm-hmm. and she has some like telekinetic shields and throws him. Uh, but guess what? He has those things too. So he throws her into the laser tunnel. Oh my God. Now they're fighting in the laser tunnel, right? Isaacs is like monologuing, telling her like he's going to make the perfect whatever, blah, blah. For so long, I thought you were the future. I was wrong. I am the future. (laughs) You're just another. Her clone woke up and turned on the laser tunnel and it dices up Isaacs. And I guess you can't heal from that. There's no coming back from that one. You know, <laughs> we finally see it happen. Remember the first one there, they reverse, you know, we gave all the props for being um, like implied. Yeah. yeah like and this one, a little bit. Like, nope. Look at all the bits falling apart. <laughs> that seems to be that. Uh, we go to Tokyo. Okay. Under Zatoichi Square Station. I only bring that up because, like, that feels like a really nerd reference. Like, somebody was a fan of the Zatoichi series of films. Mm. I don't, maybe there is a, an actual, uh, Zatoichi Station. Wesker and his homies are having another board meeting. All data will be transferred to this facility, and the research will continue under my personal supervision. Expect results within one month. Oh, you won't have to wait that long, boys. Because I'm coming for you. And uh, I'm going to be bringing a few of my friends. We pull back and we see that there are just hundreds of Alice's that she is waking up. Yeah, it's a lot. It's, yep. it's maybe too many. Maybe. It's, Why are there this many? It is a lot. Uh, and then we crash cut to a cover of White Rabbit over our credits. Yeah, that's it. 
It's a much more straightforward story. Like the stuff with uh, umbrellas, really the more complicated stuff, like the human um, goals and, and uh, motivations are like very simple and easy. Yeah. That's, there is something to this insofar as it's a little predictable, but overall I had fun. I was watching. I was like, I'm engaged. Here I am loving, loving the series. Yeah, no, I, I, I really enjoyed this one. I mean, to your point about like simplicity, you know, they're making it up with like visual style and like fun fight sequences. Like I I don't need a complex plot if you're, if you're filling it with some like fun, silly shit. Yeah. What they gave Mila Jovovich to do with these blades alone, I'm in. Right. Yeah. If that was the whole movie, just her solo killing zombies with blades, I'm in. Let's go. And that they they delivered some pretty nice um, some pretty nice action, some good set pieces. Hundred percent. Yeah. So speaking of which, Eric, what a segue! It's almost like you know what we're doing. Uh huh. What would you say your favorite kill in this movie is? That is. That is a tough call. Um, we've been, you know, singing the praises of the of the practical effects in this movie, but uh, Isaac's reveal of his tentacles killing that guy is a pretty good kill. Yeah, I wrote that down in my notes as Jura Jellyfingers. So that's <laughs> well done, sir. <laughs> so that's that's on my <clears throat> list for sure. That one. Because there's nothing left of that man's eyes and presumably mouth. And other face holes. Yeah, yeah, just gone. It's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I do I do like that that very first kicking the guy kill, if only because like I don't know. I like when like a an apocalyptic movie also reminds us that people are garbage. Yeah, I don't know. Like I, I just like that moment where it was like, oh, you know, there are other people out there too, and they may not necessarily be worth saving, right? Yeah, absolutely. It was kind of a reverse, uh, reverse save the cat, right? Is like we see Alice and like this is why she should hate people, and then she meets Claire's team and was like, oh, not all people are bad. I forgot that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'll throw an honorable mention best kill. I know we generally like to talk about the bad guys killing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the crow thing was pretty great. Uh, that's all Alice doing her telekinesis. And then there was one really great one that you had mentioned also, Claire with a, uh, with a zombie. I think it was like a shotgun. And the camera's on the other side of the zombie's head and it just blows the whole head off, essentially. Yeah. It's like that one, it was quick but it was a very effective shot in the middle of all this chaos that's happening. Yeah. If you can get a satisfying shot, like through a bloody skull, it's, it's always worth it. Yeah. That really pays off. Before we get into production notes, I, I have a, I have a question I want to ask here. Yes, sir. This is about, I wrote down a couple movies here. I'm sure you, I'm sure these vibes came through for you. You just let me know if I'm, if I'm way off base here though. Okay. This is the road warrior, right? Sure, yeah. This is also The Birds? To an extent, yes. And it's also Alien Resurrection. Uh, With the clones. Just yeah, the clones. Yeah, I, I'll give you that, yeah. All right. 
So then I, I, I can't, I, I, I arrived at this. Mm-hmm. I don't, maybe you can help me with the first movie and we could try this going forward. Cause maybe Paul W.S. Anderson is just watching a movie, fixating on it and then adding <laughs> zombies. So here's my thought. All right. This one is Mad Max with zombies. Okay. The last, the previous one, uh, Apocalypse, that was Escape from New York with zombies. I don't know what the first one is, and I don't know what the next three are, but I'm wondering if we could maybe figure that out. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I guess. There's not always anything uh, to gain, but this is like a fun exercise, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't, yeah. To, to be clear, this is not at the level of, uh, you know, the road warrior or any Mad Max, really, for that matter. But I oh, feel like yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like he is pulling some of his. You're favorites, just kind of his great. His you're just kind of looking hits. for the DNA. Yeah, I got you. Mm-hmm. So I, we don't need an answer now. I need to. I need to think. I need to ponder on the first one. Something that's based in a lab. Something that is a little bit claustrophobic. I mean, the first one is is very much aliens. So it's aliens it, with zombies. Yeah, and it, the, yeah, it's right down to like commandos investigating. Every, they show up, everyone's dead. They get stalked by something. Turns out it's a liquor. Um, you know, you've got Michelle Rodriguez, Rodriguez versus Vasquez. Like, yeah, you know what? This might be how I remember the movies. I gotta be <laughs> honest with you. This might actually be how I remember them. If I can, right. if I can tie them to a, another movie, if I can remember some other movie, and then I can just add it. with zombies, I think we're good. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, I like this. This is my new favorite sub game that we have invented here. <laughs> All right, let's get to a couple little bits of production notes. There's there's not much on these movies, surprisingly. Yeah, I watched. Uh, I watched about 11 minutes of special features on YouTube. I think it was from the Blu-ray. It, it's, it was fine. It didn't like enlighten me. A lot of it was just kind of how, how they did stuff. Uh, apparently, this Blu-ray was the first one that had the picture-in-picture mode. So you can – there was like a uh, – you could have Paul W.S. Anderson. You could have uh, Mila and I think Russell – um, in the bottom corner while the, doing the commentary while the movie is playing. And I was like, oh, I love that kind of stuff. So, okay, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I love it enough to buy this on Blu-ray, but uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe. If- yeah, they tried a few gimmicks there at the beginning that like some worked and some didn't, but that seems like a good one. I love the director's commentary with track. This went a little bit above and beyond, right? But essentially, a director's yeah. commentary track is like the most awesome podcast you can listen to about the film you love, <laughs> right? Like, oh, uh-huh. it's the people who made it talking about it. <laughs> Here's what I'll say about production notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, early on, a conscious decision was made to make this the bloodiest one. I don't know if it's the, I don't know if they mean the bloodiest thus far or the bloodiest of them all. Uh, but either way, it definitely comes through in this one. A lot of throat slices, <laughs> a lot of we the eviscerate. We had the level five security measure <laughs> once again for the win. Yeah, I would I would say it was, it was definitely gorier. Yeah, 
Eric, you would have loved this one. The original script included some flashback sequences depicting the trial, uh, a trial in the International Court of Geneva. So all of that, you know, all of that intrigue that you wanted from the Umbrella Corporation, they were uh, convicted of genocide, but the hearing came to an abrupt end when an army of undead barged into the courtroom. So all that bureaucracy you love, just more of it here. So here's the thing, though, like, I don't think I would have needed like the trial, yeah. right? But there are a couple of like zombie movies that do all their table setting as part of their their credit sequence. Yeah. So like the Dawn of the Dead remake has a really great sequence set to like Johnny Cash's When the Man Comes Around. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it, and you just you just see it happening. Zombie Land has a delightful opening title sequence. Oh, so good. Set to Metallica's For Whom the Bell Tolls, where like you see everything break down. Like it could have been part of that opening sequence, right? Like yeah. I think it would have been kind of cool to see like, oh, Umbrella like was on the hook until the world went to hell. Like <laughs> that might have been interesting. Yeah. <laughs> there were consequences. Um, so yeah, like I don't need to see the whole trial. This is not judgment at Nuremberg, but like it, I think there could have been a fun way to do it. I I really have a soft spot for sequences that kind of like a montage that compresses a terrible world event for some reason. <laughs> okay. All right. Like what like especially what filmmakers choose to show, right? Like sometimes they show like the stock exchange or something else, but like you know, it it's just always interesting. Yeah, the rioting, the pillaging, that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, Molotovs being thrown. There's all sorts of directions you can go. Sure. Lovely, lovely. Uh, the director's insistence with this film and uh, the big difference with the ones that came before it was that it would be shot uh, not at night, but like always basically at noon is when they tried to schedule the the filming of the movie, which is pretty cool. I think it worked for army of the dead more contemporarily. I think, uh, that was a pretty neat, it was, it was a good look. I would say I, I, you know, it doesn't speak to the quality of army of the dead at all. Uh, I just like the way it looked. No. And I, I, I enjoy, uh, horror in the sunlight. Like it's just, it's a fun, like twist on things that, if done well, um, it's just uh, is really off-putting, right? Like you were expecting something bad in the dark, and so uh, doing things in sunshine is great. Yeah, Mid midsummer. Uh, I can't. I can't. <laughs> yeah, uh -huh. I can't imagine shooting it like noon in Death Valley, which is where I think they shot. Yeah, there was. Uh, I don't have it in here, but multiple people on the crew were often treated for dehydration and heat stroke. Through, throughout yeah. the entire production because that, that of this. just sounds really rough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do. I, I like it during the daytime. I think that's fun. Yeah. This was, yeah, that I don't, I can't recall if any of them after this even ha look like they're in the daytime. Again, it's all, <laughs> it's all a cloud to me, but. Well, I mean, you're, you're drawing comparisons to army of the dead because it's, literally another zombie film in Vegas. 
I think this, I think Army of the Dead was like over color corrected. Oh, a hundred percent. And he did some whack shit with the depth of field that I didn't <laughs> like either. Yeah. So like this, like it just kind of feels natural. And, and I like that as opposed to, and I didn't have major problems with Army of the Dead. I thought it was fun, but like that movie is, is very designed to like within an inch of its life. <laughs> It's barely hanging on. We can't correct the footage anymore, Zach. We can't do it. How dare you? Uh, Here's one production note. I brought this up earlier, but it is worth, it bears repeating because I think we'll see it again. So the, the spiral injections that we saw that Jorah Mormont was giving himself uh, have the, have double liquid in them. The blue, yeah, which was the T virus and the green, which was the antidote. So, that's what the daughter was getting, presumably, in the previous film. That's what he has been. It looked like he gave himself eight or nine of them in this one. Um, <laughs> Probably knows? too many. Probably one too many. Yeah. Uh, and then the final piece of production note here, just and p- potentially the most important, is the costume designer, Joseph A. Poro, also worked on the costuming for the 1993 action comedy film Super Mario Brothers. So... They brought in the pros, is what I'm saying. There is nothing wrong with the costuming in Super Mario Brothers. No, I'm 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 saying that they they went back and they got the god like the Godfather I, of video game I movies. Would, I would argue the costumes are one of the best things about that movie. The way that the Goombas are dressed is impeccable. Mm-hmm. You, I did not. <laughs> I'm waiting for Nintendo to make it right and bring it into the games. Is essentially what I want them to have well, those brown suits with the spiky shoulders and yeah. I, I don't see that happening. Wow. They're just going to make a brand new Super Mario Brothers movie. So you you touched on this during our very long intro, but it doesn't sound like there's a whole lot in this movie that was in the games. No. Like plot or monsters. Not even close. Not All right. close. Hit me. In my first in our first episode, I had a list of about 15 Maybe 20 things? We're Mm -hmm. down to four. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So this is where I don't know if this is now going to be our trend where they become less like the games or not, or if this is just a a one-off thing. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, I guess the most important thing is that we get the, the named introduction of two characters who play large roles in the game franchise, and that is Claire Redfield and Albert Wesker. Albert Wesker being dating all the way back to the original game. He was in the first game. Uh, Wesker's story is that he was the leader of stars, the leader of the stars squad, but also a double agent for Umbrella. So he had two jobs, I guess. I don't know how he was able to do it, actually, now that I think about it, but that's what his deal was. And Claire Redfield from Resident Evil 2, they gave her a lot to do here. In the games, her her motivations are much simpler. She's looking for her brother, Chris, who was a character from the first game and in many other games, actually. So that's it. Okay. They're just those two characters we get. Uh, I really liked Claire. Um, I really like Allie Larder. Like, she was great. She's just, I just find her charming. She has just enough kick-assedness. Like, I, I really liked her. Um, the Wesker character, 
if I am remembering these correctly, and we know I don't, <laughs> like he becomes more important, but also like weird and mutated, I think. I don't know. Sounds about right. Yeah. That's about the trajectory he takes in the games as well. So Okay. All right. Well, maybe they're they're coming back to the games, Andrew. I, well, I who knows what they're doing. I, <laughs> I, I it's hard to say. It's really hard to say. Um the one cool thing is crows were in Resident Evil 1 and they were like evil crows that would like peck you and they didn't do too much damage, but like in conjunction with the other things, like you might have crows and dogs. And if you're being distracted by the crows, that's where the dogs would also, you would get killed that way. Or if there were crows and zombies. So they were kind of like a nuisance. Here, they're like legitimate murderers. (laughs) Um, Yes. (laughs) You know, and that's fine. It was just like a, a kind of a cool thing. I don't think they show up. There are crows in later games, but they're just like regular birds that you can... Sometimes you shoot them and they drop money. It's a weird, it's a weird video game that happens. I don't understand it. Sometimes you shoot them and they drop money. You I know, love video games. You know, crows always hoarding wealth, you know? It's fine. Sure. Uh, of course, more zombie dogs. I don't know yep. if they're in every single movie, but they have been so far. I hope the trend continues. They're still one of the coolest looking designs in in the whole thing in terms of creatures. Uh, yeah, they look great. Love them. And so this is the, this is the interesting part. So the creature that Dr. Isaacs becomes at the end looks very close to a tyrant, which is what it's the titular, the T virus is the tyrant virus. This is the thing that they're trying to create a, a being with all of these benefits and that is still able to maintain intelligence. Uh, to some degree, it looks like he was himself still. Really, yeah, he was I talking. Mean, he was and chatty right up to the end. Yeah, uh, the only difference, and this is like a swap, is the tyrant from Resident Evil One. His his arm was like a a hardened claw, like a like bone almost. It was like this long ass claw, and here he's got the tentacles. Um, Nemesis actually had the tentacles in the video game, but I guess. The effect in this one that he did with the the eyeballs and the mouth and stuff, it looked okay. I don't know if it would have looked okay three years earlier in Resident Evil Apocalypse. They probably, it probably would have looked pretty rough. So I'm glad they held it. Yeah, and it also seems like this tyrant, the Doxer Isaac's character, was like completely CGI. Yeah, and the the nemesis was was a suit, so it it probably you know makes more sense to not give nemesis something that they're going to have to CGI in later. Yeah, and by the time they get to this movie, they're like, all right, we can we can do a whole character this time. So finally, <laughs> uh, I will say he didn't have this. Um... Uh, the healing factor, I guess, was there to a degree, and uh, the super strength, but none of this telekinesis. This whole telekinesis thing, I, you know, that's not really a thing in the games. Okay, it's not like there's an enemy that's telekinetic. I should I, I, let me put let me put it that way. So, okay, uh, that's all fiction within this world. Now I know Alice isn't a character in the game. Yeah, but. Besides the monsters, is there ever a time when Umbrella is controlling 
like a regular old NPC or player character. Yeah, but I here's what here's what I'll say. <laughs> it, it's like what you said about the the how long it takes for somebody to turn into a zombie. They can control these things up until they can't control them. So like, <laughs> okay. it's never been the case with zombies. It's never been the case with liquors. There are things called hunters, chimera. There are all these other creatures that I think we'll see, and they're they've they're they're just free agents. Like when they are created, there is no more controlling them. They just do what they want. Uh, when you get to the bigger stuff, like a tyrant or a nemesis, and this thing called Las Plagas, uh, then of course it is. Yeah, then there is some level of control. But it's <laughs> it's very it doesn't make a lot of sense, and I don't talk about it too much. But I, I'm like I'm I'm here I'm here for it is what I'll say. So uh, here they seem to have uh, like it looks like there's a chip in everything's brain, like the super yeah. zombies, Alice, like. I don't know why they need a satellite. There seems to be like a theme of like destiny versus free will sort of stuff going on, right? And like, or control versus free will. And like, I hadn't heard that in relation to the games, which seemed fairly straight ahead, like problem solving and zombie shooting. Um, so I was just curious if there was like some sort of Bioshock type twist at some point no. in one of these games. No, it's not. Okay. Yeah. When, when you get into Resident Evil four and on, they introduce, they start compounding the virus with these other things that they've found. So like the Las Plagas, for instance, is like a parasite and they found out that like, oh, this parasite interacts with people who are infected with the T virus and Certain people can control the parasite and then certain people are beholden to it. So that, that that's the, that's it. So like we give you the T virus, you don't change because the parasite says you don't change, but now you're under the control of like an alpha. Uh, it's very, it's a thing. It's a thing. I think we're going to get to it. I, if I remember correctly, I think that comes up. So, okay. Yeah. I don't remember any of that. So. That'll be interesting to see. It's a lot of fun. These games. Yeah. Come on. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. I, I like, I was mostly just interested because the Alice character is presented as that, that struggle, right? Like, so interesting to see how they play it out. Yeah. That, yeah. I'm, I'm curious <laughs> about that too. Actually, I mm -hmm. legitimately, I, I really like gun to my head. I couldn't tell you how Alice's story ends. I, I actually, I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember how it ends. So that'll be fun to see actually. All right. We're, we're winding down now. We're almost there. Do you recommend this movie? I do. Uh, you know, we, we've been like framing it around. Like if people are fans of zombie movies, would I recommend it? Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna back away from that part of it, right? Like zombie movies are so kind of all over the place, but yeah. I would recommend this to anyone who's an action movie fan and doesn't mind like a little action horror. I, I had a lot of fun. This might be the first one I recommend, just like 
just go just, like you can just watch this one. I think it gives you enough to be like, yeah, I you know they're like yeah, here's an evil corporation, whatever. Uh, obviously, you get a little bit more out of the set pieces, some of the set pieces if you are had seen the first movie, but like you could probably just watch this one. I I, I had a great time. I also recommend it. Wonderful. Yeah, it's tough to like dive in with the character of Alice, right? Because she's also not super clearly defined throughout the series, right? So even though we've watched these movies like one after another three weeks in a row, there's still some stuff where you're like, oh, she can do that now? <laughs> um, oh, a telekinetic firestorm. Yeah. But like otherwise, yeah, I think you can jump in and as long as you understand this one character is magic. Like the rest of the movie holds up perfectly. All right. Let's talk about our next, uh, our next excursion here. Couldn't begin to tell you what the subtitle for this one is. <laughs> Resident Evil. What? Afterlife. All right. Sure. I have to assume that this is the one where there are 6,000 Alice's running around. It's basically the matrix two. And three, I guess, but replace Agent Smith with Alice's running all over the place. Hmm. I don't think I remember that, but I do remember at some point it getting confusing which one was like our Alice, right? <laughs> right. That's always the, she needs to be wearing a, um, you need to put like a bell on her or something. So we know like, there she is. <laughs> That's the one. You wear the red armband. Everyone else wears blue. Now we know. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think you set up a clone army and not take advantage of it. Yeah, no, I, I, it would be disappointing if we came back and all the clones were just like, you know, still hiding out somewhere. Still sleeping. <laughs> She's like, had restarted Starbucks in the apocalypse. <laughs> right. And they, well, you know that since they're all Alice's, they could defend that Starbucks. So at You're least damn there's right. that. Mediocre coffee for everyone. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take a wild guess based on my fuzzy memory of these films. And I think this is the one in L.A. And there's something about an airplane on a roof. So okay. we'll see if that pays off. So they don't get to Alaska. Interesting. Interesting. No, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're done. We did it. Another one yeah. successfully in the bank. And halfway there. We are. It's good. It's good. Are we gonna are we gonna talk about what we're gonna do if for the new movie? Are we gonna go see the new movie? I you know what? Here's what I'll say. I didn't yeah. uh I didn't go see No Time to Die. Mm -hmm. Uh I'm not planning on going to see Dune. I will watch Dune, but not in theaters. Okay. Uh, I I set, I watched Halloween Kills from the comfort of my own couch. Sure. I might actually so, go to the movies to see Welcome to Arkansas. <laughs> you just named three amazing tentpole films, yeah. and you're like, no, but I'll go see this movie that has no stars. Here's <laughs> here's my thought. Here's my thought. Yeah. Uh. I think I could probably pick a random time during the day because I set my own hours. I could I'd be like, I'm going to an 11 o'clock show at my local mm -hmm. theater and walk in and be the only person in the room. 
I feel pretty confident about that for the Resident Evil, which is why I think I might do it. I don't know. No, that's that. That's totally fair. Yeah, yeah. but I, if, I had been thinking about that specifically for this. I was like, we're gonna finish, and then the following, it might be the week. Like the week we finish is it comes out that Friday because we drop on Wednesdays. Mm. I think it comes out that Friday, and I was like, eh, maybe I'll go. I'll check it out. <laughs> We'll see. All right. If I can convince yeah. you to go, then I'll go, and then we can do it like we can review it the following uh, week or whatever. And we'll then we'll then we'll be feature complete. I, I'm on board. I'm on board. There you go, listener. You heard it here first. <laughs> I skipped over three certified fresh films, probably or well, two and one. That's fine uh, for Resident Evil. There it is. Eric, this is fun. I like this. Podcasting's great. I mean, you do a lot more podcasts than I do. This is this is just fun for me. <clears throat> Feels like you you turned your hobby into work, but Yeah. I, I, I you know what? I don't hate it is the thing. <laughs> I you know when so people sometimes you do that, you're like, "Oh, I could, you know, maybe I'll turn this into a money-making endeavor." That's not really yeah. what it's about. We think we make it we make a couple bucks on the other podcasts from ads. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that here. I just want to have fun and watch some movies that are of questionable quality, but uh, mean a lot to me. And what is that other podcast, Andrew? Oh my God. That one. Well, it's been a minute. It's a, it's a rocky scheduling road. I have two, uh, the (laughs) Mm -hmm. Kurt Locker, which is in progress. You can go listen to that. 12 and 24.com slash show slash the Kurt Locker. Just go to 1224.com where we watch and review the films of Kurt Russell. Then we have a massive backlog of another podcast called Cool Breeze Over the Mountains where we watched and reviewed every single Keanu Reeves film. What a blast. What a a career both these gentlemen have had. Wild. How about you, Eric? Where, uh, well, you're on a lot of those shows, but where else could people find you on the internet if they wanted to? Uh, yeah, as we mentioned in the, at the top, I'm uh, Platypus Jones uh, on all the socials, um, mostly on Twitter and Instagram. Um, but you should also come and join us over at the 12 and 24 Discord. Spend a bunch of time there, and we have uh, channels for stuff, even if you're not necessarily following one of the shows. Um, just check it out. Yeah. Movies, TV, streaming. There's all sorts of good stuff there. Yep. Nice little community. Nice little community. I'm really like enjoying Discord's like happy medium between broadband social media posting and like a smaller curated group that still has some flexibility. It's just it's a super nice way to interact. We've basically just reverted to the chat rooms of the early nineties, but I like it. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I've been like trying for. I'm a member of like, I don't know. I have a couple discords where I'm a member and it's just like me and like three other people. And it's just for when like we play games or whatever. But I think that's, I, I don't know. I'm like, all but ready to like completely get rid of Facebook and be like, this is just find me on discord. It's so much easier. Yeah. (laughs) Let's do this. Let's be a friend of mine started a book club and was like doing meetings by zoom. And I'm really trying to convince her like, 
you could foster just so much more like by having it available sort of on anyone's schedule. Yeah. I don't know. That's... Anyway, come to the 12 and 24 Discord. Yes, it's on our it's on everyone's individual schedule. There it and is. And Discord if you would like to buy ad time. Oh. I don't know if Discord <laughs> needs to buy any ad time from anybody. No, I'm pretty sure they don't. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. All right, that's going to do it. Uh, thank you all for joining us. And remember, just one bite, one scratch from these creatures is sufficient. Stay safe out there. Bye.